All right. Incense lit coffee. Twink. I promise I don't always. <laughs> I promise I don't always buy coffee like every day of my life. I feel like in <laughs> every fucking video, um, I always have like a bought a purchased cup of coffee next to me. No, I not every day. Most days. That's not even true. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Things That Go Bump. I'm your host, Zabian. This is my weekly Goosebumps review podcast. Uh, today, I can already tell you, is going to be a bit different. I am feeling some type of way. Normally, I feel like I am super, like, bubbly. <laughs> bubbly? At least just more, like, a beat silly goofy um i kind of naturally start to feel silly and goofy when i am like actually recording but generally speaking today is like a pretty gloomy day outside i like i said i'm feeling some type of way <laughs> and i more so was just like i need to record an episode of the podcast not only because <laughs> i only have like one more episode prepared before i have no more episodes prepared but also because like I just need to talk. I just need to talk to talk. You know what I mean? And um, I don't want to just talk to myself in my home or in the car anymore. So I'm just going to talk at my phone and hope that people will listen to the podcast and listen to what I have to talk about. So that's what today's episode is going to be. It might not be as like up, like upbeat as like crazy or unhinged as it normally is i'm not kind of i'm I'm not really feeling that way today too much um but we'll just see what happens we'll see how this goes i might not even post this episode we might have to redo it but we'll just see how it goes um so episode six let's start with some housekeeping first of all it has taken me six episodes to think of putting a little tape over the annoying blue light on my microphone to help with the uh illumination of blue light on my person or on the camera screen or on anything in my set my very professional studio that we're recording in today and I feel like this was a very temporary solution. It's not perfect, but you know what? It's significantly better than it has been. So whatever. <laughs> Moving forward with some housekeeping. Um, first of all, uh, let's rem- let's actually not recall episode five. Uh, if you were a video viewer of episode five, I apologize for how insane my hair looked that day i feel like i looked extremely stupid that day don't know why i did my hair like that that's fine every day we're growing every if you don't look back at what you were doing yesterday and think good lord i am a cringy stupid ugly person (laughs) you're not growing (laughs) i actually Let's talk about this for a second. I I know for a fact that I'm growing because every now and then, maybe like once a year or once every couple of years, I like to take the Myers-Briggs test, the personality test, uh, just to kind of see like where my personality falls. And for a couple of years now, I know I've been an INTP and I recently just took it maybe like a week ago. And I am now an INFJ. 
that's an advocate. I'm an advocate is what the title is. And um, that's crazy. I'm the rarest personality type. Would you believe it? Your favorite podcast host of your favorite podcast is an INFJ, the rarest personality type. Not to flex or anything, but I am quite literally not like other girls. And that's that on that. Uh, I had... I used to be friends with this girl in college who I, we were talking about Myers-Briggs one day and she like literally freaked out at me multiple times when we talked about it because apparently your Myers-Briggs result isn't ever supposed to change. It's never supposed to change. That's the whole point. You find out your personality type one time and that's it. As if we are not always evolving as human beings as individuals in society we never change once you take your i your myers-briggs test i almost said imdb <laughs> once you take your imbd test there's er, i am imdb i am imdb what does that stand for anyways once you take your myers-briggs test even if you're 14 <laughs> 14 specifically your personality is your personality type for the rest of your life noted all right girl anyways um oh also while editing i have acknowledged the fact like a speech teacher in high school i tend to say um and like all the time sorry about that but also i will not be improving the way that i speak for my podcast audience you're here for a reason it's because you accept me for who i am and who i am is a person that says um and like all the time and you just kind of need to get over it all right. <laughs> glad we glad we've come to an agreement that we're just going to move past that and not overlook that that detail about myself. Last on housekeeping. Sorry, scratching my back on camera. I hope that's not like a weird like kink that somebody has, you know, like feet pics, like scratching back on camera. <laughs> scratching back on camera is basically just horny on main. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, oh my God. Anyways, um, lastly, let's just have a ghost update. Um, not too much to report, of course, now that I started this little, uh, this little saga in the housekeeping lore. Um, not too much. I did. One of the things that I've experienced could just be chalked up to like my eyes playing tricks on me. I know that one night I opened my bedroom door when I was like going to bed and all the lights in my house were off. And I feel like I saw like a shadow kind of rush into my room near my feet. Now I do have I have a dog. I have a couple dogs. All the dogs were in my room at this point, I believe. And I do have cats. One of them is a black cat. So I assumed it was my black cat, like rushing into my room when I opened the door. Um, and then I went downstairs and the black cat was actually sleeping like in the kitchen or something to which I said, Oh, but again, that could just be my eyes playing tricks on me in the dark, whatever. However, this other thing that I experienced was not definitely not that I tried to debunk it as soon as it happened and I have no explanation um I was in my kitchen again a lot of this shit happens in my kitchen that's like a very center point in my home so that's like where a lot of weird shit happens and um out of the corner of my eye I was like on my phone or something and out of the corner of my eye I know for a fact I saw a little mist go by 
I don't know, like the, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I was like, is there a smudge on my glasses? There was not. I was like, is something steaming behind me? There nothing was, of course. Uh, I don't know how to describe that one. So I've seen a mist and I've seen a shadow. And they were both very quick too. It was like one to two seconds that I saw each of them. And I don't know how to describe. I definitely don't know how to describe the mist. I have like little floaties in my eyes. I don't know if other people do. And it was definitely not that. It was like like fog. for. And I've seen that before too in a different... Like when I was doing a ghost investigation one time. Uh, but that was weird. That was some weird shit. Anyways, that's my ghost update. Now let's get into the meat of the episode. Why we're all here today. Let's talk about... A Goosebumps book. So last week we reviewed the very first Goosebumps book, Welcome to Dead House. And today we're not time jumping very far at all. In fact, in my series, uh, the next book in my collection is actually book number two in the Goosebumps series. Uh, That is going to be uh, Stay Out of the Basement. Now, I feel like I have read this before. I don't recall reading this before. I don't know if I like saw the, an episode of it. Is there even an episode of it? Hold on. Also, I realize that I don't need to type with one hand because I forget that I have a MacBook that literally has a little tap thing for Siri. So hold on right now. Are you fucking kidding me, Siri? Is there an episode of Stay Out of the Basement in the Goosebumps series? The retro fear set, September 1st, 2020, includes Stay Out of the Basement, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder, Werewolf of Fever Swamp. What the fuck is the retro fear set? That's not what I asked at all. What is this? I don't know. Um, Did you guys see that there's a new... Goosebumps series coming out with fucking what's his name? I hate him so much. The Justin Long. He plays the lead in Jeepers Creepers, one of the stupidest horror movies I've ever seen. He is so fucking annoying. He also is in Barbarian and I believe he's in Tusk. Uh, Never seen Tusk, but I've seen the ending of that movie. It looks stupid as fuck as well. Um, And his character in Barbarian. Hey, guess what? Horrible. Horrible. He plays a douchebag so well that I like hate him in real life as well. He's so annoying. Um, Let me try that again. (laughs) Hey, Siri. Am I dumb? <laughs> it's gonna look up. I couldn't say. <laughs> if you couldn't hear her, she basically heard me say, Am I dumb? And her response was, I couldn't say. So that's pretty cool. Hey Siri. How the fuck does this work? I always accidentally tap this and it never works. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh. Stay out of the basement Goosebumps classic series. I couldn't find that in your Apple Music Is there not an episode of it? Oh, shut the fuck up, Siri. Hold on, people. One second. Stay out of the basement. I swear to God there was a TV episode of this. Swear to God. Yeah, there is. It's a two-parter. Yeah. 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 What's happening? I know for a fact there was. Yeah, I think I watched it. I think I watched this as a kid. <laughs> that took fucking forever for me to decide. But I think I did watch this when I was like, 
Blake McGrath is in it? The guy from Dance Mobs? What? 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 He is in Goosebumps? What? No fucking way. No fucking way. The internet is a beautiful place. The internet is a beautiful fucking place. Blake McGrath from Dance Moms. He's not from Dance Moms. He's from other shit. I don't know. He's in the Goosebumps episode of Stay Out of the Basement. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, guys. Now, we all know that I'm looking for the classic publications of these books. I swore to God. Okay, this is the copy that I have with the tree guy on it. Hey, that's not real. That doesn't happen. Um, but I was like, I don't feel like this is the original cover. This is one of the original, like, you know, publications. But I don't feel like it's the original cover. And it's not. The original cover has the creepy green plant hand coming out of the basement door. That's much scarier. Hey, this isn't real. This doesn't happen. I wish I had this copy. I might have to buy it if I ever find it. But anyways, is this the, now I'm just running down a rabbit hole of images from the show. I need to find a picture of Blake McGrath in this. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, this is wrong. In the episode, Margaret is older than Casey. That's wrong. I think. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Okay. Weird. Weird Goosebumps lore. Blake McGrath was in Goosebumps. Also, I know that Ryan Gosling was in a Goosebumps episode too. Pretty sure it was Say Cheese and Die. I don't know if I have that book yet. I don't. Good lord, my ADHD is all over the place today. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I'm making this your problem. I might edit some of this out. Uh, Anyways, let's get back to my outline. (laughs) I feel like I've read this before or seen it before or whatever, but it was still very good. Uh, it was very different from the predecessor, you know, book number one in the series. That was very much like a pretty classic, but also kind of fucked up ghost story. This one was just, damn, R.L. Stein was swinging big when he first wrote this story. This is where it gets into me just like needing to talk about shit there is genuinely so much shit in this book that I was like it took me when I when I read these books I like read them and then also add to my outline like write the outline at the same time that I'm reading them so I am like recording my live thoughts while reading the book so that I can talk about them on the podcast and it took me like two or three hours to get through this book. This is, mind you, 122 pages, and it took me three hours because of how much I kept writing in my outline and shit. And, like, it was insane. It was insane. So I feel like I almost need to deviate from how I do my normal reviews where I, like, kind of go plot point by plot point, like, through the whole book and talk about them because I just have so much shit that I want to talk about because some of this shit was crazy and just like the commentary is so good oh my god we're gonna let's get into it so let's start with a synopsis i'm gonna run you very briefly through like the whole book um so our main characters are margaret that's like it's not first person but margaret's the primary character and her 11 year old brother casey i feel like margaret is younger than casey but i could be wrong i don't know if you look up the episode margaret's older than casey that could be the truth i don't know it never says margaret's age my incense isn't burning. My incense has has fucking dudded out on me. 
how irritating if this happens the whole episode i'm gonna be so pissed i feel like this happened recently as well sorry to sidetrack us in the middle i i don't know i don't know what's going on you guys maybe i maybe i shouldn't have done this today i don't know i'm also keeping an eye on the time i gotta go to therapy soon (laughs) whatever okay we have Margaret and Casey. They live with their parents. Um, their mother is a mother. <laughs> their mother is mother. <laughs> Diane is mother. And um, their dad, I think his name is Michael, but he's a scientist. He's a botanist. And pretty early in the book, we learned that he was fired from his most recent job. And now he spends all of his time working on something mysterious in his basement. And his kids are not allowed in the basement. Uh, and... For majority of the book, their mom is away. She is like absent because she is flying out of, um, they live in California and she's flying to Tucson. Where's that? <laughs> I I think that's Arizona. If I'm right, I'm going to freak out. Tucson. Oh my God, it is. It's in Arizona. I am probably the smartest person you guys have ever fucking encountered, just in case you were wondering. Um... Anyway, so she goes to Arizona to take care of her sister who's in the hospital. Like, it's a very, like, intense, like, oh, my God, you're, my sister, your aunt Eleanor needs surgery. So I have to go be with her while she's in fucking hospice or something. Um. Anyway, so the mom's gone. It's a whole story about basically the kids getting into the basement, finding out that their dad is, like, creating these weird fucking plants in the basement. But he, like, really doesn't want them to be down there. Um, he discovers them down there and like really secures them not being able to get in there while he's working. And then they start observing that he is behaving really, really weirdly. He uh, just kind of is not really acting like himself and doing a bunch of weird fucking shit. And by the, I'll, I'll go through the weird fucking shit in a minute by the, like, and it's like weird, scary, out of character. He's almost like turning into a monster or something. And then by the end of the book, it ends up being this whole thing of like the their dad that they've been living with, who's really scary now, is actually a plant copy of their dad. And uh, their real dad is trapped in like a like a what's fucking a uh, a supply closet in the workspace in the basement and they rescue him and they get rid of the plant dad and then everything's okay. There's so much more to like elaborate on, but that's like a brief synopsis of the whole book just so you know what happens. Um, But good Lord, let's kind of just dive into some of the fucked up shit in this book. So as I mentioned, I've mentioned this many times beforehand. So I'm like, good Lord, this is like a very, like heavy theme in the Goosebumps series, the recurring like leading impact of poor family dynamics, specifically with fathers, but just the disconnect of like children to their parents in this book. And I feel like er, in this book in particular, but also in the, in the entire series and um, like this book really, really heavily kind of drives that home. In the first book, there really wasn't too much of a disconnect between the parents and the children, but the children were still very much doing their own thing. In this one, the kids are like very aware of the issues with their relationship with their father specifically. Um, 
But we established in the beginning that they have moved from Michigan, where their dad used to work, to California because he was fired from his last job. For most of the book, we don't really know why. Eventually, we obviously learn what kind of happened. Um, There's some kind of relating to the family dynamics. There's some weird situation established in the very beginning of the book that uh, Margaret, the kind of main character, is always jokingly called Fatso as like a nickname. But it's because of how skinny she is, just like her dad. That is so fucked up. That is so, that is so fucked up. That's just so fucking crazy. And it's like feeding into this disconnect from her dad, who she feels like she has a good relationship with because she's being shamed for a very vague similarity that she has to her father. And then that's even like made more sad by the fact that throughout the entirety of this book, the father is like, it becomes her own villain of the story. It's insane. It's crazy. Like that horrible, it's like her brother calling her fatso because she's really skinny. It's so fucked up. That is so fucked up. Ugh. Um, but also one of the leading reasons that he is super disconnected, the father is disconnected from their family. Like I kind of said earlier is he, isolates himself in the basement intensely isolates himself in the basement does not let anyone go down there and um he's just completely completely wrapped up in what he is doing which we don't really know what he's doing or why he's doing it for a lot of the book obviously that's the mystery is like what the fuck is going on down there and why are we doing this um and like this is Obviously, his own isolation is very obviously taking an extremely heavy toll on Margaret and Casey, but as well as his wife. (laughs) And it is so sad. There's literally one point when the mom is just about to like leave to go like be with her sister. She like she calls to him from the basement and is like, hey, you have to take me to the airport. It's time to go. And then before he comes upstairs, she like looks at Casey and Margaret and she's like, do you think he'll even notice when I'm gone? And it talks about how she said it with like a joking manner, but Margaret could like see sadness in her eyes. It's like, oh my fucking God. It's not only like affecting his wife, but then she's like, she's aware that her kids are aware of it as well to the point that she like jokes about it with them jokes and quotation marks it's so sad it is genuinely so sad he's so wrapped up in his own fucking thing in their house that his whole family feels like he's just like a stranger almost it's crazy and you have like this weird dynamic of like two parents who are distant from the children for like the kids are left alone for most of this book, but it's for two completely different purposes. One is completely selfish. The dad just locked in the basement, completely consumed by his work and his career. And then you have the mom who is like completely selfless and proves for the entire book that she is family oriented. She's always defending her husband to her kids up until that point when she pretty much is leaving. The reason she's distant and absent from most of the book is because she is supporting a family member who's going through a hard time 
And like a couple different times during the book, she's on the phone with Margaret while Margaret's saying like, this is kind of weird. Like shit's kind of going on. We miss you. And she's like, it's okay. Like she's never like dismissive of her children. She's just so family oriented and like also caring for a family member at the same time and trying to like juggle that. But that makes her distant as well. So it's like, good Lord, this family cannot catch a break. And at the center of it is the selfishness that their father is being consumed by. This is like, of all the books I've read so far, this is definitely the most centered around like problems within a family, but also like, I don't know, that whole family dynamic is just the leading cause of what's wrong in this book, what the problem in this book is. So now let's talk more about the weird kind of behaviors that we observe Dr. Brewster partaking in throughout like the mom's absence while it's just Margaret and Casey alone and he's being very distant from them. Um, so obviously he never leaves the basement and when he does, he is very short with others who try to talk to him just so he can go back to his work. He's like a fucking iPad kid, like just very dismissive and very like short so he can go back to doing what he wants to do. And uh, like we just said, that ruins their family. Basically that is ruining any relationship that they all have with one another. Twink. Okay. Um, after there's one scene i think it's when he's driving the mom to the airport margaret and casey finally are like we're gonna go down to the basement we're gonna see what the fuck is going on oh we'll get into that more later but yeah they go in the basement they realize what's going on oh sorry i was thinking about what i have to say about that later and it makes me so uncomfortable um but after he discovers them down there he like very calmly is like i'm so disappointed in you And then he puts a lock on the basement door so that he can lock himself in away from his children even more when he's in the basement, which is just so weird. Um, Then it starts to get into the more like supernatural shit. This is almost like a weird sci-fi. This is a weird sci-fi book. Um, uh, At one point, Margaret goes downstairs in the middle of the night and sees that her dad is like shoveling food into his mouth at the kitchen sink. And she's like, what the fuck is he doing? And then he, she's like, I don't want him to think I'm spying on him. So I'm going to chill out back here. And he, she finds that he is eating plant food like fucking fertilizer out of a bag. Weird shit. Um, And then after that, we see that he uh, starts wearing a, baseball hat and instead of hair he has leaves on his head like is growing leaves out of his fucking head all his hair's fallen out he's growing leaves and it weirdly a couple of times talks about how margaret gets weirded out by thinking about leaves growing out of your head and crawling around on your scalp and this book was so weirdly descriptive about shit it didn't need to be descriptive about (laughs) it was so gross um then It just intensifies. In the very beginning of the book, the first time that Margaret and Casey try to see that what their dad is doing in the basement, we see that he has like really badly cut his hand and is like, his hand is like bandaged for the whole book. And um, she, in the middle of the night again, a different night, uh, sees him going or hears him go into the bathroom and she is like, I need to figure out what the fuck is going on. So she gets out of bed 
Uh, and she like kind of tiptoes to the bathroom and is like peering in to see what he's doing. He's standing at the sink, like mending his wound, but he's like bleeding from his open wound still like green ooze, not blood, not human blood, green ooze. And she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) So she, you know, kind of avoids that situation. Then the next morning after that happens, she goes into his room again and is like, I need to know what's going on. So she like goes into the room. She's like, uh, she sees that he's not actually in bed. He's already down in the basement working, but she sees that where he was sleeping in the bed, uh, the sheets are covered in dirt that is also infested with insects, like bugs crawling around in the dirt on his bed. Um, and then, and that's weird. (laughs) And then he, um, Later, I don't know if it's the same day or whatever, but at one point he like becomes weirdly invested in like what they're doing. He or like he knows basically that they are seeing some weird shit that he's doing. Margaret tells Casey about some of the shit she's seen. And then he tries to have like a fatherly moment with them where he says like that he's trying to basically take DNA from an animal and mix it with a plant. So he's trying to create a plant that is part animal. Okay, weird, weirdo. Um, but then after that, he has another fatherly moment where he like weirdly tries to make them lunch for the first time. And the food is like some weird green slop, basically. Like, I think one of them, one of the kids says it looks like green mashed potatoes. And the dad is like aggressively like, eat it, just eat it eat it bitch just try it just even take a single bite of it just try it and it's like what the fuck are we doing um and then when that happens they're actually interrupted by this guy named mr martinez who we find out is dad's is the dad's previous boss from the job he was fired at and we learn that mr martinez didn't actually want to fire him but he worked i believe at a college and the college board basically forced mr martinez to get rid of him but mr martinez is still invested in the work that he's been doing on his own so he comes over for like a house visit to just see what he's been up to then we realize a day or two later mr martinez never actually left the house and casey and margaret go in the basement and they find mr martinez's tie and jacket bundled up and shoved under the dad's work table and then another day they find out that uh, the dad has in a different location shoved Mr. Martinez's pants and shoes under like a storage shelf or something. Weird shit. And that's basically the end of like all the suspenseful shit happening before we find out what's actually going on, which I explained earlier. Um, But before I forget, now that I've explained all that shit, let's move on to my picture of the day. Um, So it was, we'll get into more later, but it's kind of, Generally speaking, the villain of the story is the plant dad, basically. So I've just I've just depicted him as best as I could. We have the father, Dr. Brewster Brewer, Brewer, Dr. Brewer. We have Dr. Brewer uh, in a lab coat. Uh, He's got some goggles on because scientists wear goggles, I think. Um, He's, you know, bleeding the green ooze from his hand. It kind of just looks like a green ribbon is growing out of his palm, but that's not what's happening. I promise. And, um, he also has, uh, 
leaves growing out of his head, but those are being kind of pressed down by a blue Dodgers cap, which I described earlier. Um, It's very specifically a Dodgers cap. And in my picture, you can tell it's a Dodgers cap because I have very, very clearly printed the word Dodgers on it. Is that baseball? I'm done using Siri, actually. That was such a short-lived thing I tried to do, and it just pissed me off. Is Dodgers baseball? Is Dodgers (laughs) baseball? (laughs) So stupid. Is Dodgers baseball? Los Angeles Dodgers is a baseball team. I am so smart, you guys. Don't think that I'm not smart. I knew the answer to that, to that question and to the question I asked before, I think, about Tuxin. I just was fact-checking, okay? I'm just fact-checking here. I'm not guessing and then seeing if I'm right. I am just basically citing my sources for you. I'm basically just proving to you that I'm right instead of just talking, blowing smoke out of my ass. You know what I mean? I am so smart. Um, but yeah, and then in this picture, he's uh, saying, get the fuck out to his children uh because that's basically what the first chapter in this book ends with is them seeing that his hand is profusely bleeding and he's like stay out of the basement and it's like okay i guess that's where the title of the book comes from but yeah that's just some of the weird shit that dr brewer um portrays those are some of his weird behaviors that he portrays throughout the book while we're trying to discover like what the hell is going on here um but we're going to deep dive into some of that later. I also want to mention before I kind of stray too far from just the general plot, th- Margaret has this friend who is in a couple of chapters named Diane. Diane is annoying as shit. Um, and she's also just like, there is a bit of symbolism in her character. I believe she's not just a completely useless character, um, but she basically just like is a pot stirrer. And um, she's actually the one she's over at their house when the dad takes the mom to the airport. And she's the one who like basically is just like, let's go in the basement and see what he's doing. Like she's in someone else's home. Her friends have just told her we're not allowed to go in the basement. She's like, let's go see. Well, I'm bored. Let's go see what's in the basement. So she's the one that gets them down there. And um, she just like, pushes these kids past their boundaries basically that's like her overall goal whether it's like mental boundaries or like comfort zones which isn't really comfort zones but more so just like obeying rules that their parents have set um she's just a trouble starter and weirdly she has red hair it very descriptively every time she's in a chapter says that she has red hair um But yeah, so Diane's a weirdo. She also eventually in the book introduces this idea to Margaret that her father is a mad scientist. And that's where that's kind of the initiation of Margaret starting to kind of like for her father to kind of become like a villain in her mind. And she very like emotionally struggles with this idea of like her dad scaring her. She doesn't like that her dad terrifies her. Um, But then Diane is like, yeah, your dad's pretty much a mad scientist. And she's like, oh my God, is he? Like, I don't think he is, but is he? And um, she, Diane also proposes this thing that apparently her father said about Dr. Brewer, um, saying basically that he was fired from the university because he refused to end his experiments that they that he was doing. Um, and then later, uh, again, we learn that that's not true because Mr. Martinez, his boss, didn't want to fire him. He was forced by his IR-ups to fire him. Um, 
but he still had that dr brewer still had that kind of enabler his old boss who was like i still want to know what the fuck you're doing so please keep doing it and i will stay in touch so i don't know diane really just like kind of pushes margaret and casey uncomfortably like not in a good way of like but kind of in a good way she almost like leads them to learn kind of the truth about their father but in a way that makes them uncomfortable maybe that's honestly a good thing though i'm kind of i don't know it's a little conflicting she's a very important character she's very annoying but she's a very important character whether it's for a good or bad reason otherwise margaret and casey would probably just keep obeying their dad's rules and never really learn what's going on until it's too late but who's to say Okay, before I get into like the big kahuna that makes me really uncomfortable, um, there's let's talk about one piece of commentary that I drew basically as soon as I started reading this book. Um, just this general idea of like, I feel like everyone, especially in America, falls victim to this of just like letting your career completely corrupt your entire life. You know what I mean about that? Let's let's just kind of unpack that. This theme in this book, I don't really think I need to explain it, but like this entire theme is explained and just shown in this book by everything I have talked about regarding Dr. Brewer's behaviors um, of just isolating himself and what he's doing, basically ruining any connection he has with his family and just focusing on himself and his work. I... I have worked some really just for me really shitty jobs before and I don't understand like I did an internship in basically an office space at one point when I was in college and it's a job like that that really kind of got me thinking and like kind of set me on the mindset that I'm in now of just like how do people do this? How do people work a job like this for like 30 years and then retire and call themselves happy? It was such a miserable environment for me personally. And I would assume for other people who are just not saying so. And I just don't get it. I never understood. And I still now do not understand how that is a healthy lifestyle for people. I don't get it. And it just kind of goes back to, I've been on this whole journey since I dropped out of college. I actually realized today that tomorrow marks one year since I dropped out of college. And one of my leading reasons for doing that, even though it was a very scary decision because I was basically going completely against the status quo of like all of society and the American dream, I've just realized like, That shit is not for me. Getting a degree and finding a job that applies to this degree I got when I was in my 20s is supposed to make me happy for the rest of my life and make me money so that I can survive barely in this economy. And and then I retire with no money and then I'm supposed to be happy even though I'm not really allowed to work anything other than a shitty part-time job. It just is crazy to me. That idea is so crazy to me. I do not ever want to subscribe to that kind of lifestyle. I And I'm not even trying to like, 
preach the gospel or say like, please believe the same thing as me. I understand that it was a very hard thing for me to even like get a mental grasp on and to accept like, this is my truth. Basically, this is how I think. And this is what I believe. And I know that's not for everybody. Um, but I just don't get it. I don't get where people actually find fulfillment in doing something like that. And like going back to, I've always been someone who is under the impression of just the idea that the American dream in general is not attainable. I'm like, yeah, I read The Great Gatsby. I know that this isn't real. But it's like I never realized until the past year or two how unattainable the American dream is personally for me. And I feel like it's kind of like how people are saying we need to rewrite the Constitution because society has changed so much. The world that we live in has changed so much since those rules were established that they need to change with the times in order for us to continue living peacefully in this horrible society that we have let evolve into what it is today. I also feel that just something about the outlook of how we view this country and what our purpose here is needs to change because this idea of getting an education, getting a second education or like a higher education past high school, subscribing yourself to 30 plus years at one career for your entire life and then living happily ever after as a fucking old person with no money that is so it's unattainable but it's just fucking terrible too who wants to do that who wouldn't when you're young and capable of exploring just your options exploring the world exploring everything who wouldn't want to take advantage of that but no we're expected to dedicate ourselves and slave away in fucking school for no reason you basically don't stop being a student until some people your fucking 30s it just makes no sense to me and then you're also expected to raise a family and shit like that in order for society to view you as like doing something right who the fuck is doing anything right no one actually no one is doing anything right because there's no way there there's no standard that's realistic to live up to in this fucking society but people don't want to admit that because people are so fucking scared of change it is just infuriating like it and for me personally it's like i know that this what y'all are doing is absolutely not for me and i am fine with that I am fine figuring out what is for me and I am privileged enough to like actually reasonably be in a position in my life where I can do that. Some people are not in a point in their life where they can do that. I recognize that. I feel really bad for those people because I can't even imagine the things that they're having to do to just survive, let alone be able to like comfortably find themselves in a space where they can be mentally at a place like I'm at, where it's like, I have the option to think about what makes me happy without stressing about basically surviving in this economy. I have a cushion. I'm okay. But like other people are not. I get that. It's just, I wish that society made our lives easier it's kind of like what i was talking about in 
like episode four, where it's just like, God, the people who are in charge of us make our fucking lives so difficult to the point that they are barely worth living. Because what the fuck are we supposed to do when we can barely afford a home, afford a roof over our heads, afford the fucking rights to our own bodily autonomy and afford the right to keep ourselves healthy with fucking health insurance and shit like that. Instead, they're making all these stupid fucking rules we have to follow. They're making them stupid expensive so that they can make money. It's this country, America, today is a joke. This country is a fucking joke. All of the systems that are still in place that were established way back when with our founding fathers, it's such a fucking crock of shit. And it needs to change because we can't keep surviving like this. It's horrible. <laughs> like, the American dream is so genuinely unattainable for most people. And it's so horrible that we all feel the need to still subscribe to this idea. Because we can't. But then when you don't, and when you accept that you can't and don't want to, you, you I, I'm personally made to feel like a fucking outcast. I, in, like addition to just the fact that I'm horrible about comparing myself to other people, which I feel like I've talked about before, I feel like a fucking loser most of the time when I look at my peers and just other people my age generally who are doing the things that they're expected to do. It still makes me feel stupid. I know that I'm doing something that's fulfilling to me. I'm happy with my life right now, generally speaking. Society is still making my life extremely difficult because I'm not following the status quo, but whatever. I'm pretty much coming to like an ending phase of most of my big struggles right now. Um, and I'm f at a point where, like I said before, I have a cushion. I can start thinking about what I want to do that will make me happy and make my life worth living for me and no one else. It's a very selfish thing. You have to prioritize yourself. But like, I just... I like you still feel like you're made to be a failure if you don't subscribe to this unattainable lifestyle that most people cannot afford mentally, emotionally, financially, physically. Like you can't do it. I don't know how people are still like brainwashing themselves almost into thinking that it's a realistic thing to do. I don't get it. I do not understand it. So like props to you for still doing it. I don't like judge people for it i'm just like good lord i'm tired and i'm not even doing what you're doing how the fuck are you not just so exhausted how are you not so tired and when do we realize we don't have to be that tired we can do other things and be happy and successful whatever the fuck that means Ugh, whatever you know what i'm and this like this book pretty much highlights that idea of like, look at what you do to yourself when you subscribe to things like this so fucking intensely like society expects you to do. Dedicate yourself to your work. You ruin connections that you have with your own family, with your own children, with your, sp with your partners, like with everyone because you dedicate yourself to your work in the most unhealthy way. I think that is such a shame. And also it like the American dream also makes us feel like I kind of had this realization recently because I had someone ask me, 
I was talking about how I dropped out of school and how I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I don't really know what I want to do. And um, someone asked me like, okay, well, what's your passion? And I had no answer for that person because in this society, in the American dream mindset that is pretty much instilled in all of us, our passion is equivalent with our career. I think that is a bunch of fucking horse shit. I don't have a passion to work a job for 30 years. I have a passion to like live a fulfilled life. I have, I racked my brain around that for weeks after I had this conversation with somebody and my passion in life is to be happy and to try to make other people happy in that process. However I can, um, and to just live a full life however I can. And I also talked about this in therapy recently and my therapist brought up a really good point of like my job is not my passion. I love my job. You it's you're so lucky to find a job that you actually really like, but I don't think that your job is your passion. I think your job is like a tool that you can use and utilize to actually reach your goals and reach your passion. And for me, that does not apply to a promotion, to being a person of in power. I don't want that shit. I don't want that responsibility. For me, a job should be something that I don't hate going to. I don't feel like I need, like I have to go to it knowing that it will make me fucking miserable for a dollar. I want my job to be something I enjoy. Uh, I want my job to be something that also pays me well because I need money. We all need money to survive in this society, which is just so fucking unfortunate uh, that the only thing people care about anymore is finances. And in doing so, we lose our connections with one another and with humanity and what we're all doing here, uh, except trying to survive under a bunch of fucking people who suck and who hate us and who do not care if we fail or succeed. Um But yeah, I don't believe that your job is your passion. I don't think anyone is actually that passionate about doing work. Because at the same time, everyone's like, oh, you're not meant to like your job. You're supposed to hate working. So how do you then say that your job is your passion? I think it's a bit hypocritical. I think the entire American dream is so hypocritical. And I think that this weird children's book, (laughs) weird children's book really highlights that in it's fucking antagonist and it just like the whole idea at the very end i didn't really talk about this in detail where like margaret and casey discover their real dad like tied up in the back of a supply closet like moaning and waiting for someone to help him because his own creation has like his own work has gone too far and created something more powerful than him to the point that it has trapped him literally from ever making an improvement until the other people in his life come in and interfere and help him. It's almost like an addiction. Like they help him. He then has the opportunity to destroy what he's created. And in the book he does, he takes an ax and like, there's a whole thing where he takes an ax and then uh fucking, Margaret starts to second guess which one is her dad because they're both like, I'm your dad. And uh, 
I've kind of forgot to talk about that plot twist. Uh, they start to, it's basically like the Spider-Man meme where <laughs> they're like pointing at each other and they're like, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. It's a very beware the snowman ending where it's, she's like getting tricked. Um, and then Margaret like takes this ax from her dad and is like holding it and like trying to figure out who's who. And then has this moment where she's like, Casey, go grab me a knife off the wall. <laughs> and he does. And she like slashes at her, one of the dads, and she slashes at the dad who is trapped in the closet and he starts bleeding actual blood. And he like calls her a nickname that he used to call her. And she's like, this is my real dad. And she hands the ax back to him. And then the dad chops the fake like plant dad in half and he falls apart. And that's the end of the book. And then the dad like destroys all the plants and they like pretty much live happily ever after or whatever. There's a stupid like suspenseful in quotes plot twist where it's like, She's watching this bonfire in their backyard of all of his plants that he's destroyed. But there's one little flower that like crawls to her feet and is like, Case or uh, Margaret, I'm your real dad. Help me. Stupid, stupid fucking ending. Uh, but just generally speaking, that's the plot twist of the book. I forgot to talk about that completely. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, like someone else gives him the opportunity after he realizes what he's done wrong to destroy what he has created and start over and re revive all of these things that are good for him in his life, his connections with people, a healthy work life, family, whatever relationship with each other. Uh, what's that called? Like your work to what's it called? I can't remember. My brain is starting to shut off. This is really irritating me. So I'm, and I'm talking too much, but whatever. Um, so yeah, basically this book talk, this book, uh, highlights that the American dream is a bunch of fucking bullshit. Now let's move on to <laughs> the basement is the epicenter of everything in this book. That is just fucking insane. Uh, this is where all the experiments go on. This is where the creation of this other plant dad happens. This is where science is taken to an entirely new level. Like this is the epicenter of the craziness in this book. And I think that the basement is like, overall, it's really just a symbol of forbidden knowledge. And it's also weirdly because of like weird little details that happen in it. My English literature brain picked up on them. I don't think if I had previous experience analyzing text for th details like this, I would have picked up on anything like this. But I also think it's like a weird... I don't like that it was incorporated in a kid's book, but I think it is a weird representation of just like temptation as well. Um, let's get into it. So like in the book it's very clearly described temperature wise as like a hot and exotic jungle almost because all these plants need to be kept at a weirdly hot humid temperature um and it's also this kind of like place of just generally speaking like breaking a rule and disobeying a rule and um because it talks about how like Casey and Margaret separately each feel like actual fear as if they're doing something wrong, as if they're doing something that they shouldn't be when they are in the basement. They have this like third eye sense almost of like 
their guts telling them like you're not supposed to be here like what are you doing you are in danger right now um and that kind of like i talked about earlier is almost is is like promoted by their friend diane which is why initially i feel like she is like a bad influence on them she's putting them in this position of like feeling like genuine fear and like danger of their safety uh but maybe that's a good thing because then they take the initiative that they need to to kind of end that and to figure out what's going on and to solve their problems and things but i kind of called that back to um the whole like weird religious affiliation that i saw in welcome to dead house with like ray thurston and like tempting fucking what's her name to what was her name? I don't know. <laughs> kind of talking, like trying to like rope her in to like being a ghost child with them in this town. And then she was rescued by the light and stuff like that. So like in that sense, he's like the sin that she, the main character in that book is drawn to. And in this one, it's almost like the garden of Eden, literally a garden of plants that they are not supposed to be around. And like, they are being tempted to like touch literally they're being tempted to touch Diane and Casey are like, Oh my God, Margaret feel this plant. It has a really weird like texture. It's doesn't feel like a leaf or anything, but like Diane is almost like the snake in the garden of Eden. That's like tempting them. Like come, come here. You're not supposed to, but like, I'm telling you come here. And I don't uh, like, I think what the snake is supposed to be Satan in the Bible. I don't know. Um, horror generally speaking always has a weird religious affiliation with it or like a weird religious undertone something that kind of calls back to the bible and shit because it's almost like challenging religion um i've noticed that as a major horror fan for my whole life but this is where it gets so weird people i this is where my brain i was like i wish that i would have been oblivious to this stupid detail that like there's mind you this is about 11 year old children I don't, I don't, I did not like this. Um, But when they are down there in like the hot basement and like Diane is telling them to touch all these plants and shit, at one point Casey takes his shirt off. It grosses me out. Like I get that it's hot, but like this was a weird fucking detail to include. And this is one of the major things that leads me to thinking like, is this supposed to be some like weird, like layer of temptation and like almost like something weird like sexually and I was like this is a children's book this is a book about children why would we include a detail in there like this it is so fucking strange and Diane even like makes a comment about his body and then it is like moved on immediately it is so weird it is so weird mind you this is a book from the 90s like 30 years ago i know that was a different time whatever but still how did no one read that back then and think that's a problem who what editor read this book and didn't think to tell rl stein that's weird as fuck that's inappropriate anyways yeah casey takes his shirt off and that's the so weird and there's like this feeling almost when they're in there that something like wants them it's not only like a fear of danger but then there's an overarching like voice in their head i don't remember which one exactly but one of them is like i feel like something wants me here like wants to take me and there's a part where um they leave and the dad because i think they see they like hear that the dad is coming home from dropping the mom off at the airport and um 
they go back upstairs and Casey's like, what happens? Diane leaves and Casey is like, oh fuck, I left my t-shirt in the basement on the ground. So this weird thing of him like taking his shirt off and then it becomes like evidence that he has become like a victim to this weird like tempting almost like lustful environment that's going to get him in trouble because he basically partook in something that he wasn't supposed to it is so bizarre people it was so weird and gross and i did not like it at all it was so weird um but like i immediately knew he was going to do that as soon as they like left the basement hurriedly i was like he left a short down there <laughs> and they're going to get in huge fucking trouble now <laughs> so it was so weird um but yeah it ends up being like this represent or this like symbol of just like carelessness and like this like weird like engaging like let loose i hated it i hated it so much and it ends up getting them caught by their father because they both run downstairs to get it and then when they come back up he's standing at the basement door that is what provokes him to then add a lock to the door so that they like to further stop them from going down there and so he can trap himself down there all the time alone in isolation it is so weird when you add that element to it it is so fucking strange and we don't get to see that element to it until we witness the like third person perspectives of the children at the center of this book experiencing it for themselves it is so fucking strange and then there's also like the ominous like banging from the supply closet and like I said before, we learned that that is coming from like the plants actually like are weird too. the plants in the basement. They like move and they moan. They like physically moan and things like that. And they are like human like and it's so strange. But yeah, in the supply closet, it's her dad tied up and like these other plants making a bunch of noises and shit. Um but they have like also they have like human body parts like feet and arms and shit they're growing tomatoes and things like that that have like human faces on them it is just like almost this just representation like that is almost similar to like the forbidden fruit it's even like locked away with like a piece of plywood nailed over the door so like they cannot get it that is like the forbidden shit and when they get in there is when they find like their dad all tied up at the end of the book. It's so fucking weird. I feel like there has to be some weird tie to like the idea of the garden from the garden of Eden and just, I hate it. So like on one hand, it's a symbol of this weird temptation, like lustful thing. But on the other hand, it's also just this idea of like forbidden knowledge. You are not supposed to be down here. Things are really fucked up down here. Things have gotten out of hand down here. And it's like, oh, it's this weird, is dichotomy the right word? I don't know what that word means. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, not, uh, that was entirely different. They're not really different. They are different, but they like go together. I don't know. There's some fucking term for it. But yeah, that's like my like kind of just review over the basement in this book it is so strange um and lastly i just want to chat about like i obviously like i've said the general like antagonist of the book to kind of move away from the idea of the basement the basement is more so where it all happens it's kind of like dead house dead house is where the shit happens and the basement is where the shit happens but the real like 
okay, the like black and white antagonist of the book is this imposter plant dad, but we don't actually know he's an imposter. The like antagonist, we don't know he's an imposter until the very end. Um, but I also think that just overlying all of this shit, it goes back to a conversation I've had many times before in class and just with friends and things like that. I like the real villain of the story is just science which is horrifying and like this pursuit of knowledge and this pursuit of forbidden knowledge and because like his main objective as far as what the imposter tells his kids is making a plant that is part animal and things like that and like just mixing the good dna and plants to make like a super plant and things like that and his main objective is really just testing the limits, not even testing them so that he can stay away from them though, but so he can move past them. And that is almost similar to like, it's a Frankenstein effect. If anyone has read Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, one of my favorite books of all time, I have a snail named after her, her name, my snail is named Mary Shelley. Uh, Like if it's just this general idea of like, how far is too far? When it comes to pursuing knowledge and making advancements, how far is too far? I think the most relatable thing that we could think of in terms of that today, as far as like how is that opposing threat in society today, is almost like the idea of robots taking over. Like, when do we stop advancing things for our own well-being and safety? But then also, who decides these limits? And who tells us that this is how things should be and this is where we should stop wanting to go further without infringing on someone else's free will. I had this, I read Frankenstein and had these discussions with people at a private religious college. They, this conversation was always like, not always, but most of the time it was very heavily influenced by like God and like like a lot of people's argument would be like, well, that's not what God intended. If he wanted us to, he would show us things like that. But it's like, for me, it's really just like a scientific, like humanity, spiritual thing of just like, what is too far? We have to decide our own limits, but who gets to decide them? The fucking Republicans that are in charge of us, the fucking like Supreme court, you're telling me that Brett Kavanaugh gets to tell me when too much is too much. He's biased. Everyone is biased. That's the problem. Who tells us what's too far? When do we decide who we listen to as far as just respecting boundaries and things like that? And that's pretty much the entire premise of Frankenstein is going too far and facing the consequences of your actions and how they affect other people. And normally it is to drastic measures in order to prove a fucking point that bad things will fucking happen if we go too far. But it's a sticky subject or it's a like sticky situation because who tells us when things go too far and who do we all listen to? no one that person doesn't exist that figure does not exist there is not i don't think there's ever going to be a clear-cut answer to this is what we should listen to when it comes to uh how far we should advance in society it's horrifying it's a horrifying philosophical question that i love to think about (laughs) i love to think about it and i love to get in debates with people about it but that's 
the fact. Think about it factually. That is the fucking truth. There is nothing we can do. It's horrifying, but there's nothing we can do. We are all literally fucking powerless to our own power. Uh, That pretty much ends my review and discussion of just all these different weird themes and symbols in the second Goosebumps book, Stay Out of the Basement. It's now time to move on to everyone's favorite, uh, I don't know, section of the podcast. The numbers. Twink. Okay. Good Lord, I've been talking for a long time. (laughs) Okay. So, as always, we start with the spookiness of the concept of the book. I gave this one a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, Being left alone in a house with a distant parent who starts to show some extremely disturbing behavior patterns, like we discussed, and uh, finding out that they're actually an evil plant copy of your parent. They're not even your parent to begin with. It's a little corny, I will say. A little corny. The fact that he's like eating plant food and shit but that's fucking horrifying horrifying walking in to like trying to confide in your dad about his weird behavior and seeing his hand gushing green ooze or finding a bed full of dirt with bugs in it horrifying so scary but yeah a little corny so 4.5 out of 5 the villain in the story that we just discussed I give a five out of five. The imposter dad, like besides that, it gets that alone. That villain alone is not a five out of five villain for me. But when you add the element of the real villain in the story being the pursuit of forbidden knowledge, that's always the most in my opinion, that's probably one of the most horrifying opponents anyone can ever face. And especially when you put that on top of the like storybook plant copy of dad antagonist, horrifying combination, horrifying. So that is like a perfect formulation of a villain. The overarching like higher or just like the superior conflict the superior antagonist in this book is not even a character it's a philosophical theory and just a philosophical idea that you have to think about that is the and and it's not like blanket stated it's never discussed amongst the characters in the book you have to think about it as a reader that is the best kind of villain you can develop in a book five out of five absolutely um Moving on to the reader's tolerance of the protagonists. I kind of more so focused on Margaret in this. It's very heavily like Margaret and Casey, but eh, it's more so from Margaret's point of view. She's experiencing a lot of this shit on her own and then telling Casey her main perspective and like the things that she's seeing and shit like that. Um, So I gave Margaret a 4.75 out of 5. Margaret is an absolute badass who figures shit out on her own but she does need her brother and like her friend diane and other people in her life to kind of give her a little nudge and give her a little edge to initiate her in um figuring out what's going on and things like that like she needed a little nudge to go in the basement and she needed um 
just, I don't know, a little push almost to from her brother at times to go one step further and figure out why things are happening. Uh, but she is perfectly capable of trusting her gut. There are so many times that she listens to her gut and is like experiencing this like turmoil of not having answers to the what's happening. Um, she is also capable of saving lives <laughs> and also uh, wielding an axe. And this is a child. That part was crazy. She's just like holding this axe, like two two different men standing in front of her that are both her father. That part was insane. I was like, are we serious? She's actually doing this. This isn't some weird cop out where, oh, it's all a dream. Goosebumps doesn't do that shit. It is so wild. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, but Margaret is a little like, she's not completely like, I'm going to do this. She's not like action oriented. But when she's given a little push, she is, and she'll get shit done. So 4.75 out of 5 for Margaret. Plot twists and resolutions, I gave a 2.8 out of 5. Um, I found this ending pretty predictable. Uh, at a certain point, like, before it even happened, there was one point where I was like, mm, I think I know how this is going to end. Uh and like I said, it's possibly because I like might have read this before or seen this episode before um, and just like, kind of subconsciously remembered what happened after I like read so much of the plot. Um, but it was still a very like creative approach to a situation like this where like the plant dad was created by the real dad and then overtook him and trapped him away from society, basically. Like that's that's a very creative approach. Um, and we don't even get to see... Or we don't even get to, like, know when this, like, switch happened. It could have happened before the book even fucking started. Which is insane. Like, it's not even a clear cut. Like, dad was normal and then he started acting weird. Dad has just always been weird. So we don't even know when the switcheroo of real dad to plant dad even happened. That's cool as fuck. But the, like, very, very end, like I talked about was so stupid with the little flower that was like, oh, I'm your real dad. It's like, no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. You're a flower. It was so dumb. That was so dumb. And I hated it. So like, even though it was predictable and that stupid fucking ending, I gave it a 2.8 out of five. That was so disappointing. <laughs> um, underlying messages and social commentary. Obviously I discussed that heavily in this episode. Um, I gave it a five out of five as well. There is so much effective, genuinely, like, genuine commentary on distant parental figures being consumed by your career and the American dream, resisting temptation, pursuing forbidden knowledge, and just fucking so much more. Like, everything we talked about and more, it could go on and on and on. And, oh. I spent too much of the episode talking about it, so I don't feel like I need to discuss it any further. Five out of five. And lastly, did I get goosebumps? Kind of. Kind of did. There was one point, it was, I think it was the first time when they were in the basement and it was getting to the weird temptation stuff that I talked about earlier. And I was like, ooh, I don't like that. It was like a bad, I got goosebumps for a bad reason, not because I was spooked, but I still got them. So it gets the extra half a point. When we add all these numbers together and find the average score stay out of the basement has an average score of 4.51 out of five that means that this is our first book 
in Things That Go Bump history to receive an average score above four, let alone above 4.5 in the official list. That's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Stay out of the basement. And I think it very greatly deserves it. Um, So now when we move over to our official ratings of the 62 original Goosebumps books, uh, that means that Stay Out of the Basement very confidently in this series so far takes first place in the official ranking, knocking down uh, Vampire Breath to second place and Welcome to Dead House to third place and so on and so forth. This one, you guys, was a fucking doozy. I really did not know how this was going to go. It went better than I expected. (laughs) Um, So... But that's the end of this review. This is the end of the episode. I need to be done. I have to go to therapy in about an hour. <laughs> and I am so brain dead now. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, but thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. I appreciate everyone who listens to this. Um, please, if you were watching the video podcast, uh, leave a like and maybe leave a comment. Let me know what you think about anything I discussed in this episode. Uh, subscribe to my channel so that you see when I upload new videos and new episodes of the podcast. Uh, you can, if you are listening to this on any of the audio platforms, please leave me a rating. Uh, also please in general, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends. I would love to have more people kind of engage with this uh, past the point of it just being a pretty silly, like, Goosebumps review podcast. Like, yeah, that's not the most pressing information in the world. But I have a really good time doing it. And I think the people who listen to this also do too. And why not sh- Why not spread the joy? Hey, if you like the episode, if you like the podcast, please support it and uh, share it with your friends. I would really appreciate it. Um, If you want to uh, follow me on any of my personal socials, if you want to support my small art business, Wherefore Art Thou by Z, I have a print shop on Etsy and some socials for that as well. You can uh, find any of the links that you'd like in the description of this video. And I think that's it. All right. This was a lot. I had to wear my Jinx Monsoon shirt for this because I needed the good vibes today. (laughs) Um, But episode six, we're done. Until next time, keep it Lucy and stay goosey. I'll see you next time.